Now I only have 10 years to take that out. Really, you start getting into the tax ramifications, Ben, and saying, okay, if I'm working, my spouse is working, we have income. Now we have this inherited IRA of a million dollars and we're forced to take out an extra 100,000 a year. What's that gonna look like? It's time to retire with confidence. Welcome to Unlocking Your Financial Future with financial advisor, Ben Schrock. Well, we now are about a month into 2020 when this episode is being published. And all the talk right now is about the SECURE Act uh, to start the year. It's one of the the big uh, adjustments to 2020 and something that everybody's considering when they are making uh when they're meeting with their advisor, sitting down, working on their plan, this is coming into play all the time. So we're going to be talking about that, what you should know, just kind of the, the kind of an overview of what the Secure Act includes. Uh, so you're kind of up to date and you're ready to go and you can now take that information and sit down with your advisor and figure out what you need to be doing with your plan. And to help us do that, uh, we have Ben Schrock, as always, the owner and financial advisor at BA Schrock Financial Group in Wadsworth. Ben, how are we doing? Doing well. We're off to a fast start here in 2020. This Secure Act is keeping us busy, and uh, it's a lot of good information. I'm excited to cover this topic. Yeah, it's a, it's a busy one. I know this. It kind of made the headlines uh, late last year to end 2019, yeah. and now a lot of people are, are, are making adjustments. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But I want to start with a little getting to know you to kind of ease into the Secure Act as we you know try to learn more about you as a person outside of finance and outside of uh, your office. So. For you today, I want to know what your morning routine looks like. Take us through how that that step by step. Yeah, so you might think I'm a little crazy here, but <laughs> I, I'm an early bird, so I'm early to bed, early to rise, and so I've been making it a goal of mine. Usually, I, I would get up around five o'clock in the morning, but I've been making it more of a goal to get up about four o'clock in the morning Ooh. to jumpstart my routine a little bit, whether I'm. Uh, reading or you know working out downstairs in the basement we have a little gym down there or just simply watching tv just i need a little bit of time in the morning before the boys get up and then from there it's starting the daily routine with the the two little ones and i don't since i work kind of crazy hours i don't get to spend a ton of time in the evenings with them so morning is dad time with uh the two boys and i really love it and it's uh something that has changed obviously over the years since we introduced two little ones in the world but it's something that i've really come to enjoy and and spending that time with them. How long do you get to yourself in the mornings before they usually wake up? Good question. (laughs) I guess it varies, I'm sure. It it definitely varies, but um, it can be an hour, it can be two hours. So Henry will start, you know, kicking around about 5.30. Sometimes he goes back to sleep. Sometimes I get a little anxious and I'll get him up and, and play with him a little bit. But yeah, it could be anywhere from an hour to two hours. Nice. Well, that's pretty awesome. I know uh, I'm not an early bird. Typically, I've become more of one since having a child. Now it's pretty common to be up at five, uh, 5.30, but typically for me, it always start around seven or eight. So I'm making adjustments, but I've never been a 4 a.m. guy. That's Sure. Yeah, but... I go to bed at like nine thirty, so okay. I I, I yeah. can't um, can't stay up too late past that. But uh, so I, I still get plenty of sleep. It's just I I don't catch too much uh, late night TV shows. I gotcha. Well, that's uh, the morning routine for Ben. So thanks for sharing that. A little getting to know you as we we like to do here on the program. Uh, now we're going to shift into our main topic, and it's the Secure Act. We kind of touched on it briefly uh, when we began this episode, but Ben just kind of update us on now. I mean, I know. You know, since we last talked, I don't remember if this had been signed into legislation yet, but kind of take us through how this all came to be, because it was kind of out there for a while in 2019, but it really seemed like it came in uh, to play really quickly to end the year. 
Yeah, you know, it, it was something that we had on our radar pretty much all of the throughout the course of the year of 2019, mainly because it was one of the very few bills that was getting large bipartisan support. So anytime we see that in today's political environment, it's saying, okay, they're probably going to pass this thing. So we have to take it pretty serious. So you know, a lot of conversations throughout the course of the year, we kind of knew it was lingering. And then like in that fourth quarter, just kind of all of a sudden happened. And um, I don't think there was too much information out there. A lot of our clients, even um, when we broke the news to them, were kind of shocked that they don't have to take those RMDs out till 72 now in certain circumstances, which we'll go over some of the, the ins and outs of it. But yeah, it, it uh, because of the bipartisan support, it was something that we here in our office were, were actively prepared for. And and uh, starting to you know tweak our uh, recommendations and some of our strategies for certain client bases depending on their age. Okay, well let's jump into some of the bigger changes and, and kind of what this all consists of. I'll let you kind of start us off where you want to go because I know there's a number of changes. What do you think was maybe the biggest or most significant part of this? Yeah, so I think there's really two things that are the the biggest ones that stand out for me. Um, the first one being the RMDH, which we've talked about on previous episodes. And, and in my mind, as long as I've been in the business, it has always been that required minimum distribution date at 70 and a half. So whenever you're 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out of your IRA. It's a calculating, it's a table that, that the IRS runs um, and a dividing factor. So essentially at 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out. And now that age is 72. So it's kind of hard for me, even when I'm talking with clients, I still trip and say 70 and a half, but 72 now is that required age. So a lot of times when we're looking at the planning aspect, Ben, we say, okay, if we're doing a Roth conversion, now we bought ourselves an extra two years to do something like that, to get money out of that IRA, or that we have time to prepare ourselves so that we don't have that tax bomb that we talked about, again, in previous episodes that pops on us at 70 and a half like it used to. So that's that was the biggest thing to me was, you know, adjusting on that required minimum distribution age. So along with that then too, and I guess before I transition out, I'll, I guess I want to kind of follow up with uh, the Roth conversion you mentioned. Is that something yeah. you think is going to be a big part of people's strategy um, going forward, at least the next couple of years to get that money out of the IRA? IRA? I, I do. I, I really do. And I think it, it's something that it allows us a, a larger window. So, you know, if someone retires at 65 or even, you know, anytime prior to that, the window now, instead of being five years to convert or looking at conversion now is seven years. So we don't have to rush through those conversions. We bought ourselves an extra two years. So like if our goal was to convert maybe a hundred thousand um, dollars from 65 to 70 and a half, we'd have to do that in $20,000 increments. Now we cut that down substantially to about uh, maybe what's that 15,000 ish. Um, and change every year there there forward, so we can save a little bit on that tax exposure by chipping away um, from that that IRA strategically. And then the other part of it is going to come into play when we talk about the inherited IRA. Okay, yeah, and that's the next one I wanted to to get into. And and I don't think everybody knows about a stretch IRA necessarily because maybe it has doesn't impact you or hasn't impacted you or your family member, any of your family members at any point. So you might not be aware, but for those that were maybe planning to pass this along and, and pass it on to their, their children, their IRA, this could be pretty significant for you. Yeah, for sure. So the old rules, we kind of start there. The old rules used to say, if your parents uh, had an IRA, so again, when it goes from spouse to spouse, nothing changes. The other spouse can take over the IRA and just remain as is. Now, when it goes over to the next generation, to children, to um, uh, maybe a, a different beneficiary, whoever you want to name, a niece, nephew, whoever that may be, but when it goes down a generation, the old rules stated that 
you could stretch your distributions out over your lifetime. So you still had to take um, distributions out, but you could do that over that person's lifetime. So if I'm 34 years old, I can take that out a bit, bits and pieces of that out over the rest of my life and really reduce that tax liability uh, if I were to inherit an IRA. Now, the new rule basically states we can no longer do that over our lifetime. It has to be taken out over a 10-year period, okay? And you can do it however you want. You know, you can take it out 10% a year for 10 years, or you can take it out, you know, the 10th year, take all of it out. It's up to the beneficiary at that point. So again, the key being me, if my life expectancy is 80, we'll say I have almost 50 years to take that uh, IRA out. Now, I only have 10 years to take that out. So really you start getting into the tax ramifications, Ben, and saying, okay, if I'm working, my spouse is working, we have income, now we have this inherited IRA of a million dollars and we're forced to take out an extra 100000 a year, what's that going to look like? Yeah, yeah, and that's a big question and that's something you have to work with right. probably a lot of people on. Do you think overall this is a good thing? Because to me, I, I see that and, and maybe it's you know the government just trying to increase the, the amount of taxes they're taking in, but... That to me seems like it's a bit of a negative for people, the stretch RA. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a catch twenty two. You know, it's like okay, here we're doing something really cool and good for people, and they're happy delaying that RMDs to seventy two. Now we're going to get you though. When you die, we're going to make you take out that IRA distribution over ten right. years to your beneficiary. So I, I think it's good for the people that are in it, but bad for the beneficiaries. And that's where that planning aspect comes into play to say how in the heck do we cover that tax exposure. No one wants their kids to be, you know, hammered in taxes with their when they pass on money that to them at whenever that time may be. So, the one way like we just discussed that Roth conversion, Roth IRAs are not um, going to be taken out over that 10-year period of time or if they were even, it really doesn't matter because it's always tax-free. The other side that we oftentimes look at is purchasing life insurance. So we kind of work backwards, figure out what that tax liability will be over that 10-year period of time and say, let's, mom and dad, let's go buy life insurance. And if my tax exposure is $100,000, hopefully they're not paying $100,000 for life insurance. So we maybe hedge there and say, let's leverage our money, maybe spend 1000 bucks a year or whatever the, the dollar may be. I'm just speculating here. Um, whatever that price may be until we die and then my kids get $100,000 tax-free to cover that tax liability that they would have when they take out my IRAs. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So there's some good, there's some bad. I mean, I think it's kind of a give and take, and I guess that's what that's why it got approved and got pushed through and had bipartisan support, because it was some give and take. It was, you got a little time, a little extra time to plan for it, but you better have a plan in place, because when you pass it on, it's going to have to come out pretty quickly. So, so a couple of things to consider there. The other thing I saw sure. also was... Annuities. I heard the word annuities come up. Is that becoming more of an option for retirement plans? Yeah. So what they're doing is now they're allowing certain employers to offer annuities within 401ks, Okay. which it was never available to employees for the longest time. So it never really became a part of a 401k. So I do anticipate this one not really catching on right away. Because annuities, they can be good for clients, can be uh, detrimental. Everyone's situation is going to be different. I always tell people I have a love-hate relationship with annuities. Certain ones I really think are good. Certain ones I think are really bad. Right. So it just depends on, on the plan and what type of annuity they adopt within it. 
But yeah, they can include them now within 401ks, which can be a beneficial tool to use in retirement. Okay, just something else that you have maybe at your in your arsenal when you sit down and try to come up with your plan. Uh, it may work for you, may not. Like a lot of these these different products, you know, just, it's all personalized and customized to what you need to do, where you're trying to get, and that's why it's important to work with somebody that can help you navigate through all these changes. Is there anything else that we need to know about this Secure Act? Um, I know we've gone through quite a bit of it, but anything else that you think is important? There's other things that they're allowing now within 529s, college planning that you can utilize, maybe some leftover 529 monies to help pay down student loan debt, which is kind of cool and unique to that uh, type of plan. But really, I would just encourage everyone just to Google it. Google Secure Act, look at all the changes and see where you might have a fit or where you might see a need. Um, then give us a call. You know, give it, reach out to us, and we'll see what we think about um, your thoughts and, and and goals and objectives around the Secure Act, and see if there's something that we could do to help in that situation. Very practical advice, Ben. Read the Secure Act. <laughs> Look it over. I mean, not not a lot of people do that. Yeah. I, know, I know you like to read through things quite a bit and pay attention to the details, but a lot of times people will just kind of read the uh, the headlines and, and just kind of skim through things. But it's important to read through. I mean, to understand it for yourself before you try to take advice from somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like I said, just Google it, look it up, because reading the actual verbiage from the legislation is probably going to, you'll need an, a, to hire an attorney to understand it. But just look at the actual website. You know, they all have pretty good information there and they kind of summarize everything and, and spit it out in a good, easy to read type format. Sounds good. So do that. And then once you get done reading through that, have a better understanding. And hopefully you have a better understanding after listening to this podcast. You can find Ben and his team at B.A. Schrock Financial Group. They're online at bashrock-fg.com. You can call them as well to set up an appointment, 330-473-1060. And there's a lot of a lot of uh, resources on that website as well beyond uh, this information and this, these podcasts. There's a lot of resources with taxes and Social Security and such. So utilize that as well to, to help you out with your retirement plan. Uh, but also make sure to go back to some of our, some of our past episodes. They're all, do, they're all uh, archived right there on the website at bashrock-fg.com. A lot of good stuff. Well, Ben, I know this is going to be a conversation you're going to continue having with clients uh, to start 2020, but I know on throughout the year and, and beyond. So it's important that uh, we have this conversation conversation. Definitely. That'll do it for us on Unlocking Your Financial Future this episode. Our next one will be out in a week, so make sure you hit subscribe and then it'll be notified to you when we hit publish. So we'll talk to you next time right here on your Unlocking Your Financial Future. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management LLC, AEWM. AEWM and BA Schrock Wealth Management are not affiliated companies. BA Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products.
Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with a U.S. government or any government agency. This show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation.